Hello and welcome into ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. We have a lot to talk tonight. We will talk about some takeaways about the Dallas Cowboys draft that we can kind of dig out or find out from the betting world according to some odds makers when it comes to the NFL draft. So some takeaways about what could happen with the Dallas Cowboys and their 24th overall pick based on some potential insight by odds makers. So we'll talk about that and then we'll talk about the Washington Commanders financial scandal tonight on ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. So thank you for being here. Make sure that you hit the like button. Share the show if you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. Let your friends know about primetime. And do me a favor, hit the like button, especially if you're watching on YouTube, because every like allows us to put this show in front of more Cowboys fans so we can continue to grow the community uh, on ADC Sports Dallas. We are 16 days away from the 20, 2022 NFL Draft, so we'll have some draft content for you guys tonight on the show. Burner account says, Mo, I don't know how Dan Snyder gets out of this one. So disgraceful. I am shocked by the document. I just finished reading the letter about a couple of hours ago, and it's it's quite impressive. We'll break it down later in case you have not read the letter or don't feel like it. We will, we will break it down as much as we can tonight. Uh, what is up, Michael, Dallas, John, Samuel, over at Facebook, uh, Robert, Chuck, Bruce, and of course, Chuck, Youngstar, just two as well. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining the show. Let's get this one started because I think there is something to learn about a Cowboys draft from the betting world. So here we go. Let's get this one started officially, guys. everyone and welcome to ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. I'm Mauricio Rodriguez streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night here on Dallas on the Man Sports Talk Network. As always, Primetime brought to you by our friends over at FreemanMazda.net. We will talk more about them and the ride of the week in a few moments later on the show. As always, reminding you to check out adcsports.com slash Dallas for more Cowboys content, Mavericks content throughout the entire offseason. So make sure you check that out. Uh, tomorrow night, we will talk more about uh, some of the staff picks for the 24th overall pick. But tonight on the show, we will talk about the betting odds when it comes to the NFL draft and two main takeaways for the Dallas Cowboys. Here's the thing. You guys know me. If you have been watching primetime for a while, you know that I like sports betting, so every once and then I will jump into a odds maker site and just kind of check out some of the lines for just about every sport. But then I found out this morning that, hey, there are some interesting NFL draft lines out there, and I knew about some of them. Last year, for example, I knew that odds existed or who was the first overall pick? How many quarterbacks were going to be taken in the first round? I knew all of that, but I was surprised. And maybe I didn't catch these ones uh, last year, or maybe they are new. 
as the sports betting industry has continued to grow over the past year. But I was pretty impressed that there are some prospects that have an actual over-under for their draft position. And some of them do provide some valuable insight. And we will take a look at some of them tonight here on the show, specifically two that maybe tell us something about the Dallas Cowboys and who they're going to be taking with the 24th overall pick. So we'll get into that. Uh, what is up, Dallas Junk? Bruce got the use. I'm a toxic fan in an abusive relationship with the Cowboys, says Bruce. Hey, spring, uh, you know, hope springs eternal in the, uh, in the NFL draft season. So maybe... Maybe we're feeling more optimistic as the NFL draft approaches, or maybe I'm alone in that sentiment. But let's get into some of these draft takeaways after watching some of these NFL draft betting lines in DraftKings. So let's take a look at the first one, because this is the one that actually impressed me the most. So Tyler, Tyler Linderbaum, not in the Cowboys pre-draft visitors, 30 pre-draft visitors. And that was kind of a surprise. We've, we've gone over this on the show before. The fact that Tyler Linderbaum was, is not even a visit considering that the Cowboys have drafted visits only for the most part since 2012. Only Maurice Claiborne and CeeDee Lamb have not been pre-draft visitors for the Cowboys among their first round selections. And I kind of thought at the time that maybe it had to do with the Cowboys not expecting Tyler Linderbaum to be there at 24th. It was either that or the fact that they just didn't like his measurables. As a short center, uh, not the great arm length. Maybe that's the reason why, because here is the betting lines for Tyler Linderbaum. The over-under is set at 27 and a half. In other words, the Charps or the odds makers are expecting Tyler Linderbaum to be on the board when the Dallas Cowboys are on the clock with the 24th overall pick. So that would be the number one prediction for the Cowboys draft after reading the betting lines over at uh, DraftKings. I was surprised at that because I know that in some mock drafts, he has been falling, but you never know what to make out of all of those. You never know if it's just one source for an analyst with sources like, say, Daniel Jeremiah from NFL.com or something like that. But how crazy is it that Tyler Linderbaum's over-under as the top center in the class, and not only the top center in the class, but really a very hyped prospect, is expected to fall out of the top 27 picks, apparently. Dallas Young says, you would be crazy to not even consider Linderbaum at 24. Gregory, what is up? Thank you for joining the show. Guru says, centers have short arms, right? That is... That is kind of right from Guru because it is true that you don't have to have 34-inch uh, arms at center like you do at the tackle. If you're talking about tackles, the 34-inch arms are like 
maybe the first check mark that you need to put on a scouting report because NFL front office front offices uh, want that so bad. When it comes to centers, it's not as much of a requisite. But if you look at uh, Tyler Linderbaum's mock draftable chart, for example, and we looked at it earlier in the month here on primetime, it's not really good even compared to other centers. So if you look at Linderbaum's mock draftable chart and compare it with, say, Travis Frederick, Tyler Viadish, it's not great even compared to them. So Michael Dury, for example, says Travis Frederick did not have long arms, right? He didn't, but Linderbaums are even shorter than Travis Frederick's. So there's where the problem kind of lies at. So my question from me to you guys is, which inside offensive lineman would you draft if, say, Linderbaum, Green, and Johnson were all available at 24? What if the top two guards in the NFL draft and the top center were on the board and you had to turn in the pick for the Dallas Cowboys? Whose name would it be on that card? Let me know in the chat if you're watching on Facebook and YouTube. And while you do that, and before I give you my answer, let me talk to you about our friends over at FreemanMazda.net because the ride of the week is the new 2022 CX-9 that comes in at an affordable price of $39,050. It's got Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, third row sitting, adaptive cruise control, all-wheel drive, and rain-sensing wipers. Go check out the CX-9. Uh, touring over at freemanmazda.net and check out the carbon version because I've fallen in love with that carbon version that they have over there at the website. Family-owned business for over 65 years. You're getting the best customer service plus a wide selection of new Freeman Mazda vehicles. Make sure you check out freemanmazda.net. Let's look at some of your answers here. Say the top three offensive linemen we're still on the board. Who would you take at number 24? Nicholas goes with uh, left guard. Tommy goes with Linderbaum. Gregory also with Linderbaum. Guru says Philbin wants the wrong Tyler. Uh, Robert, however, says Cyan Johnson. Bruce goes with Kenyon Green. Michael says Tyler, hands down. Matt Owen, what is up, says I would trade down. I'm pretty firmly against inside offensive linemen at 24. Interesting. Linderbaum would be my pick. Says Toxic. What is up, Mitesh? Thank you for being on the show. Kenneth Fraser over at Facebook. Johnson. Uh, so pretty wide selections here on the show. We, we have a close poll. Good afternoon, Jason. Thank you for being here. Jax says green, biggest need. Not going to lie, if I, if I had the pick, if I had the power to choose what inside offensive lineman would be wearing the star as a first-round pick for the Cowboys if all of these three guys were available, I would take the flyer on Tyler Linderbaum. Primetime Phil also goes with Tyler. I like Linderbaum a lot. I think he is the best center, clearly, in the class. I also think he's the best inside offensive lineman. I know there are concerns about the size. Uh, I know 
not know, but I expect the Cowboys to pass on him if he's available because we know two things. We know that he was not on the pre-draft visitors list, and we know that the Cowboys like players that have good measurables. Historically, they have picked players that have that. They like tall defensive backs. They like tall linebackers. They like players that have not uh, a lot of size concerns, especially in the first round. But I thought that it was not going to be a concern because throughout this entire draft process, my expectation was for Linderbaum to be long gone before the Cowboys were even on the clock. However, you know, I respect betting sharps and odds makers quite a lot because those guys know things that we don't a lot of the time. Sometimes you look at a, a betting spread and you say, wait a minute. How is that team not an even bigger favorite? Or how is that team that big of an underdog? And then they prove, they prove uh, themselves right. So the fact that Linderbaum, Linderbaum's over-under is at 27.5, even with the under being the favorite, that surprised me. And that kind of made me think that the Cowboys might be forced to pass on Linderbaum if he is still up there. Now, you could say that the Cowboys left him off the pre-draft visitor list because they didn't expect him to be there. But then again, Drake London is on that list. Devin Lloyd is on that list. Are you telling me that the Cowboys expect Drake London to be there and not Tyler Linderbaum? Something doesn't add up to me when it comes to all of this. So that would be the number one prediction that I feel the betting world has for the Cowboys draft. Of course, indirect. Uh, of course, I'm talking about indirect predictions. It could be a smokescreen, says Michael, but he does include the laughing emoji, which I believe to be appropriate. Uh, Bruce says, I would go up for Jordan Davis, but there is a lot of holes to be filled. Jordan Davis is over-under, by the way, was at 16 and a half, something like that which also felt pretty close. Matt Owen says Jordan Davis and Charles Cross. Every day that goes by, it seems like we're expecting uh, Charles Cross to be drafted higher and higher. But anyways, moving on to the number two prediction for the Cowboys, uh, judging or the biggest takeaway, we could also call them takeaways from the betting lines in the NFL draft, is a specific number for wide receiver Traylon Burks. Because if you can guess what the betting uh, over-under was for Traylon Burke's draft position, I'm, I'm sure you could guess it. It's 23 and a half. And the favorite is the over. Interesting, don't you think? 23 and a half is Traylon Burke's over-under in terms of draft position. So the betting world, in other words, it is expecting Traylon Burks to be drafted or projecting Traylon Burks to be drafted either in the 23rd pick or the 24th pick. Now, of course, these are not, uh, no one can predict the NFL draft. I believe not even the uh, betting world, but the fact that they picked 23 and a half felt specific. What would be one word to describe picking Traylon Burks at 24? 
Stephen White says maybe London or uh, or Lloyd Penning or Lloyd comma Penning too. Maybe I think that's what Stephen White meant right there. Oh, if if Lloyd is there, if Devin Lloyd is there, I would love it. And and Trevor Penning, I wouldn't mind. What would be one word to describe picking Traylon Burks at twenty four? Michael asks, who is the number one wide receiver in the draft? That bet also exists, and it was. Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson is the favorite to be taken as the first wide receiver in the 2022 NFL draft. And there are, there are some concerns floating around with, with Garrett Wilson. Not concerns, but some people don't like him. There's a lot of controversy going around the wide receiver. Burner goes with Jerific. Gregory says that the word to describe it is no Michael says eight, that that would be a rich fire for Bruce got the use. Bruce got the toxic use. Oh, my God. I can see that the toxic uh, moto is catching fire in the primetime and ADC Sports Dallas chat. Stephen Owen says three wide receivers went before the pick 24 in six of the last 10 drafts. That's quite the stat there from Matt Owen. Here's my word. And I know some people will hate me for it. But my word for picking Traylon Burks at 24 would be a simple one. Three letters. Fun. I'm getting behind the idea of taking Traylon Burks with the 24th overall pick. Honestly, I know that the wisest pick, and in my opinion, the most likely pick, will be an offensive guard, be it Kenyon Green or or Sion Johnson. But I would definitely like the Traylon Burks pick. I think he's two guys in one. I think he's a power slot, and at the same time, he can be a traditional X receiver. And the fact that the Cowboys could play uh, with him in that way alongside CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup, that makes me that makes me excited. I know that you need to do a little bit of projection, in order to like Traylon Burks, but I'm an optimist. So I will I will say fun. And I do think that it's something that the number is 23 and a half for Traylon Burks. Chris Olave's number, I think it's a little bit higher, but I'm not entirely sure because I didn't find his number, but I did see that Burks was a favorite if not 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 the favorite, but he had better odds of being the first wide receiver taken than Olave. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's expected to be drafted earlier, though, because that could only be a reflection that some team out there might project Traylon Burks as a true number one wide receiver, and maybe no one projects Chris Olave to be just that. We're just speculating here. I doubt Jordan Davis gets past Baltimore's primetime. Let's see some of your answers, though. Kenneth Fraser went with really. Primetime says disappointed. Matt Owen goes with meh as his one word. Uh, miraculous goes with Dallas Young. As you can see, Burks is quite the polarizing prospect among Cowboys Nation. And I think that's because... I think that's because number one... He's a player that you need to do some projection on. So if you look at the if you look at Traylon Burks games or, or tape, maybe you're not super convinced about it because you really don't know who the guy is. 
because you see Arkansas throw him the ball in screen passes just about every time they target him. But then they try some deep stuff with uh, Traylon Burks, and that's where you can get even more excited about it. And they do so from the outside, from the inside. Burks is a fun player, and I think some team will be able to develop him into a true weapon. Owen, however, and, and I think that's a good argument, he says, I just don't know that Kellen would maximize his skill set. I was looking at some CD Lamp tape earlier uh, today, actually. I was doing it this morning. Man, I don't want to see as many stop routes in 2022. If you ask me for one of my bigger, uh, my biggest frustrations with Kellen Moore last year, it definitely was the amount of stop routes that they had going on over there. Primetime Phil says, are the Cowboys trading out of the second to back into the first would explain the lack of second rounders brought in. Let me read that again. Are the Cowboys trading out of the second back into the first? So basically trading up back into the first. That would explain the lack of second rounders brought in for pre-draft visitors. That's what primetime field meant there. Uh, took me a minute to, to catch that. I would say no. I, I want to do a show about this, but maybe I can share with you the idea uh, now. I think that the, the Cowboys could trade back into the fourth round, but I don't see them doing so in the second, to be honest. But I would like it. Uh, no, excuse me, trading up into the first. I don't see them doing that. Also, I don't know who you would do that for. Who could it be? A, a, the wide receiver if they take an offensive lineman at 24th or the other way around. Because if you don't, if, you, if you're planning on doing that, and I don't believe the Cowboys would plan on doing that, I think you take the wide receiver first and the offensive lineman later. Because it's, it's dangerous territory, man. Uh, we talked about this with Sky Walker Steele last week. When we were doing our mock draft and we decided to trade out of the 24th overall pick. And we felt confident about it because there were multiple wide receivers and multiple offensive linemen on the board at that time. And we kind of looked at the team needs of the following teams. And it feels like the Cowboys are in this dangerous spot in which the teams that are after them have similar needs to the Cowboys. A lot of them need wide receivers like the Titans, and they also need offensive linemen like the Titans. So the Cowboys are in a spot in which maybe they trade back because there are a lot of options, but then those teams that will be on the clock after them, they might target the same needs that the Cowboys, and that's a dangerous spot to be on, especially if you trade out if you trade back uh, more than five picks or something like that, which is different from what the Cowboys did in 2021 when they traded back from 10th to 12th. But they knew that the team that was trading up was targeting a wide receiver, and they knew that after that, maybe a quarterback was going to be taken. So I don't think that the Cowboys trade up back into the first. I think that they trade up in day three, to be honest, you have so many fifth round picks that I think you can 
jump up and get a forward, an additional forward round pick in. That would be the prediction that I have in terms of trading up or down in the NFL draft. But anyways, those are the two biggest takeaways that you can get from the betting world. Number one, the fact that it seems like Tyler Linderbaum is expected to be there at 24 when the Cowboys are on the clock in the first round. And I believe that we're expecting them to pass on him if that is the case. And the prediction, and the second prediction is, could Traylon Burks be actually the pick at 24th? Because the over-under is at 23 and a half. And the, fa- and the over is the favorite option in DraftKings. Those are the biggest takeaways from the betting odds for the NFL draft. However, you guys know this. I know this. The draft is so tough to predict. Not even teams can do that, to be honest. So let's just have some fun in the meantime. We're 16 days away from the NFL draft. Before we get out of here, before we get out of here, we need to address the reports on the Washington Commanders that surfaced this morning, especially specifically the 20-page letter that Congress wrote to the Federal Trading Commission, Federal Trade Commission, excuse me, about Washington's potentially financial malpractices in recent years. And when we talk about recent years, we need to date back to 1999 when Dan Snyder actually bought the team. There are two big things in this letter, in case you have not read it. And those two big things are, number one, and this is so, so insane, withholding $5 million in refundable deposits from season tickets holders. We will break it down in a bit. And number two, hiding money that was supposed to be shared among NFL owners. Let's break down the first one before. The letter details how the Washington football team, back then the Washington Redskins, later Washington football team, and today the Washington Commanders, how they withheld $5 million in refundable deposits from season ticket holders. So we're talking about literal security deposits on season ticket seats that the team used in 1997 when the team was not even Dan Snyder's to finance the FedEx field. And then Dan Snyder buys the team in 1999 and he realizes that there are a lot of security deposits for season ticket seats. And instead of refunding them to the users after the lease agreement, because that's all it is, that's all it is. It is, you know, I buy a season ticket uh, seat and I, pu- I pay a deposit just as security for the team in case I damage, just like any rental, basically. And they just put barrier after barrier for users to not be able to claim their refund when the period was over or, or when the time came for a renewal. So... These deposits were kind of moved around after a while for accounts that were not likely to ask for the refund and turned into use use for, for the team and just bump up the sales a little bit. 
And the guy that is detailing all of these processes, uh, Mr. Friedman, was saying that when the team had was not maybe going to meet the sales expectations, they would ask him to go find some use in the deposit accounts that were not likely to be claimed. How crazy is that? Now, $5 million is a very high number, but it's even crazier when you take a look at the projected accounts that did not receive the refund. Over 2,000 accounts is what the letter indicates. So you are fooling your very own fans. And this is crazy because as Burner Account says, that is called fraud. So here's how it basically worked for Washington. And it's so dumb because you think about these teams having millions and millions of dollars and yet finding ways to get away with screwing people over hard-earned money in in a few in few words right so let's say that my father bought season ticket hold uh season tickets and he had to pay the security deposit back then and then he would pass on the season tickets to me and i didn't even know about the deposit so i didn't even know that i should ask for my refund back and the team didn't go out of its way to give me back my money how crazy is is that anyways that's that's one the other one is the hiding the money that was supposed to be shared among nfl owners you probably know this by now but in case you don't one of the nfl's brilliant ideas in its history is when they came up with the idea of sharing revenue so national revenue is split between the 32 teams in equal manners and a portion of your ticket sales go into that sharing pool well what washington did was they said and this is this these are the actual numbers used for a specific game for example they charged uh 55 dollars in average for tickets for a regular season game just to give you an example i don't remember the exact game but then they only accounted for 44 of those 55 dollars so there was an 11 dollar difference and they would say that those were from a college football game. In this particular case, it was the Navy Notre Dame game. But it, it's so crazy that in that particular example, for example, the move they made earned them $162,000 in what they called use. And that was the extra money that they were hiding from NFL teams. And that's what blows me away. Of course, there were multiple times they did this, and Friedman reported that there were about a dozen times, according to the 20-page letter. But it's still such a low number that blows me away that they would go through all of this trouble only for that amount of money. If we were talking about, as Michael is saying, billions and billions of dollars, maybe you would kind of say, all right, that's why they did it. But for a few hundred thousand dollars for an nfl team that handles so much money it really does blow me away i don't make I, I cannot make sense of it to be honest the letter also reports that they had two separate books because my reaction when we were uh when we were hearing that this was going to come out a week ago the athletic was reporting this front office reports had a story about it before this congress letter 
came out to light today, I, w- I think every one of us was thinking, how did the NFL audits? Because the league actually audits the teams for their ticket sales. How did they not find this out? Well, it turns out they had two separate books. And I wrote that quote down because I, I really did want to, to read this one word for word. According to the former executive, the team maintained two sets of books one that was shared with the NFL, but underreported certain ticket revenue, the college football example that we were talking about earlier, and an other internal set of books that included the complete and accurate revenue and was shown to Mr. Snyder. Not only did they do this with college football games, they also did it with uh, some concerts, including some Kenny Chesney concerts, uh, at least one And in that one, I think the number was $88,000. So not even a six-digit figure. The question for you guys, just to close out the show, is, is this it? Is this the last straw for Dan Snyder's troubled ownership tenure? Is this it? Do you think this is the one that finally takes Dan Snyder out of Washington? I will say this. Well, let me read some comments before. Burner account says, greed is a powerful thing, Mo. It really is. Poverty franchise, says Bruce. Uh, Sell the team, says Charlene Evans. Get a new owner and a new name. Uh, (laughs) This this niche from Capitol Hill must have rolled down to FedEx Field. Imagine rooting for the guy that scammed you out of your money. LOL, only Washington fans. How many more scandals, says Bruce? Uh, does it take to sell the team? It should be, says Bruce. Robert Chuck says, yes, it's going to be. Uh, Burner account says, no, he has nine lives. I wouldn't even be surprised at this point, to be honest, if it wasn't the last straw. But my answer is yes. I, I would say that this is it for Dan Snyder. It will end up in him, with him selling the team. I don't think it will be the NFL forcing him to make the sale, but just the... Uh, him selling the team because he knows what is coming his way. I think it's important for us as fans, though, to not lose sight of one thing. I believe this is the last straw. I believe it shouldn't be the last straw. I believe what should be the last straw is the sexual abuse investigation, uh, that sexual harassment investigation that they that actually brought all of these financial scandals uh, to light. It should be the sexual harassment thing that got Dan Snyder out of Washington. I don't know if it will be. And I, don't, I think that that is not right, that it isn't. But I think that when you're talking money, that is what will get Dan Snyder out of the team, even though I believe it should be the sexual harassment investigation. But as Michael says, that's what will get him run out of town. Burner says the NFL protects their owners, the good old boys. Yes, I believe so. Hiding money from other owners is Michael. That is why we're maybe expecting this to be the final straw. Now, because I also believe that the NFL owners protect each other, that's why I believe it will not be like a forced sale. It will be just like Dan Snyder deciding to finally sell just because, right? 
Uh, this rate says Burner, I'm ready for the report he stole Girl Scout cookies or didn't pay a library fine. <laughs> I also would not be surprised about that, Burner. And Chuck is right. Dallas has its, has its own sexual harassment, cheerleader scandal, and Jerry's baby mama drama. Now, it does suck that we talked last night and we had a little bit of fun with it. That account, that account was are going to announce a major business announcement on Wednesday. We'll see what that is about. While they have not publicly addressed the cheerleader scandal that we learned about recently. It sucks that they won't even address it. So, you know, it's how it goes with these things. Uh, Michael says there was a report in Dallas, and I didn't hear this, so uh, I, I think we'll take Michael's word for it. There was a report in Dallas in 105.3 to fan that there is more negative news coming out on the Cowboys. That's a worry on a, of a 6 on a scale from 1 to 10. So let's be on the lookout for that. I didn't hear that. Thank you to Michael. We'll take your word for it. So I guess let's be on the lookout for it. Anyways, guys, thank you for joining me tonight. We are 16 days away from the NFL draft. I'm excited as heck about it. So make sure you don't miss primetime every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central. Do not miss Skywalker Steel every Monday through Friday morning here on the same channel. And I will see you guys uh, tomorrow night, same time, uh, Prime time brought to you by our friends over at FreemanMazda.net. Check out adcsports.com slash Dallas for more Cowboys content and Mavericks content. Thank you guys for joining the show. I appreciate it. Thank you for choosing to listen to ADC Sports Dallas Prime Time. I appreciate you and I will see you tomorrow night. Thank you guys.